but like it wasn't cool when I was a kid. Like I, I went to school and said I was a fisherman. Every person was like, you kill things. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, it's for people to eat. Salty Crew Radio presents Salty Stories, the ship's log. Stories about the hard workers, the searchers, the risk-taking, mistake-making watermen who have nothing to prove. About the seafaring, the wax-sharing, the grommets, young and old. About the tried and true, those who've paid their dues. And about those who choose to find refuge in the sea. personally love your story and I wanted to get into a little bit of um just sort of your upbringing like if you could bring us back to Grom where you were born tell me a bit about your parents um kind of paint the story if we were to if we were to buy the Lucas boat and we opened up the ship's log book here what what would it start to say uh that's a long one but um (laughs) Uh, where do we want to start? I mean, I guess, obviously, I was born in Mexico. I was born in La Paz in 1994. And uh, my parents just were kind of two different people that wanted to do something different, for sure. I mean, I wasn't the first kid to be born, white kid to be born in Mexico. But we, uh, they, my dad was a fisherman in Northern California. And uh, my mom happened to own a restaurant on the bay where my dad was fishing. And so they met through the restaurant you know he'd go in there and eat and he ended up meeting the owner who was my mom and uh you know they ended up getting married and she sold her restaurant and she goes let's do something different and go to Mexico and like buy a house down there and have a kid down there and just live differently you know like and uh (laughs) things changed and they didn't stay together but they had me down there and um I think I spent like the first three years of my life off and on down there pretty much full time come back a little bit my dad would be fishing tuna most of the time and uh diving sea urchins and uh those are two different like my parents stories are pretty unique in themselves and my dad's been you know fishing since 1980 and you know up and down the whole coast was the first group of divers to like dive urchins in california like with all the white sharks and stuff and he's got crazy history like the true true salty history and uh that always seems so like foreign and like pretty heavy to me. Just like the, cause I feel like a story even like to a sick wave or to a nuts great white story is like some of the best ones are connected to like, you know, the urchin divers and it's just like, whoa, those guys are nuts. Well, so many guys weren't out there doing it. And those guys were like, I mean, you want to talk about someone who was like braving the elements like every single day they didn't care like if it was five to ten foot and windy on shore they're still out there diving which is like nuts like nuts nuts and then you talk about the guys who dive down in southern california and they go out like two times a week in freaking the 80 degree weather and they're like yeah more tough divers no norcal divers were like that was like a different type of human you know like and uh they they found so much cool stuff like waves yeah sharks like all the guys who dove with the Farallon Islands, sharks and waves, mm. you know. But uh, there's there's so much history just behind that. It's crazy. Those guys were core individuals. So I yeah, don't know. That's, but that's my experience is that's my experience with hearing the nut stories and uh, and then I also picture like 
your dad coming in with the, with the load and um you know a, a fish whatever and he's like selling it to the restaurant and so is he selling gear to your to your mom's restaurant well actually kind of back in the day not quite it was like most of the fish my dad sells goes out on like huge tr like truckloads you know and so it's bought and like consumed on like mass scale usually they send it overseas unfortunately which is crazy but sea urchins yeah i did get distributed out more to the town like i mean some went to japan or wherever it was the sushi markets though you know that's where it went and so did the tuna but it just depends really a lot of the times the loads my dad would bring in were so big they had to like be like sent out on trucks you know not not just consumed by local markets you know but yeah. it, it's different when you scale up and fishing like how they buy it you know it's not like it's just going to your little restaurant i mean it does sometimes it trickles down to them but like it's usually like they're just selling it by the truckload to some mass consumer you know but so yeah no i was anyway. i was i was souping up the love story there of, of uh, yeah. <laughs> comes in urchins some tuna just the restaurants just killing it well, um, my mom's place breakfast place so all the fishermen would go in there and just get their coffee in the morning and talk shit and um that's how awesome. he met her he, a bunch of grumpy old men in there probably i mean i, I don't know if that's attractive to chicks or not pops <laughs> is last resort <laughs> yeah um yeah pretty funny but no and how did you lucas how did you because every time i hang out with you and um i even go back to like when we were in uh portugal and spain um in the car and i'm just digging into your story and um for me like i never really learned how to work with my hands like yeah i've shaped a board and yeah you know i fished a few times but like every time i go with you like i feel like or even we're on a boat trip, I'm like, dude, this guy could fix the engine. This guy could, you know, catch his food. Like, if I always feel like if I was dying. And then you go into stories of, like, almond farming and, um, yeah. you know, shaking like boards. And it's just, like, I think that's so interesting because, like, you got to understand, like, a generation of kids. And, like, you can even clump myself into that. Um, like I'm just at all of how you know from the ground up how to be sort of like a master of your domain. Um, I think, I mean, it's obviously your parents, you know, and it's like you grow up watching people do what they do, you know, and it's like I'm taking my parents, for example, you know, and my dad, he's been, he does not not make his, he makes everything himself, like his bait nets, his bait tanks, his welding like you know the everything the booms on his boats he's made it all everything you know my dad's a freaking engineer an electrician a glasser uh what else do you want to add to the list i don't know it's he can do it did, all did, did it piss you off did it piss you off when your dad was like fixing everything i know sometimes when my dad fixed stuff i'm like dad dude just stop it like no it was more like i mean i tripped out i'm like you're always working how come we don't go do anything fun at a young age you know i didn't really get it you know, but once I like turn the tables and realized I need to like soak up all this stuff he's doing. Cause now I, when I look back, it's just me like looking back at my memory banks, like, hmm, what was my dad doing? Or like, 
you know, my dad was always around other cool people too. And my mom too, she's incredibly talented. I mean, whether it was cooking or like gardening or anything, that stuff's all so valuable too, you know? And so if you just soak as much up as you can, you try and just, you know, amplify it or, or not. I mean, some people obviously choose to forget about what their parents teach them. You know what I mean? But it's like, you try not, I try not to, because <clears throat> that's obviously a part of who you are, you know? And it's, no, it, it's such a rarity too. I mean, like you're cooking food for us. Like, I'm just like, I just get blown away. Like, you know, um, I think that it's like, I mean, I'm not trying to talk shit on society, but it's like, you see this stuff de degenerate kind of like in generations. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I don't know. I like look at my grandparents too. Like my grandparents were like, at, like, not, I don't want to say like the cowboy type, but like, they were like as tough country folk as you can get. You know what I mean? Like, like they, they raised their cattle, they grew almonds, they grew their own food and they worked hard on the land and like put out what you get in style, you know? And they did not ask for anything. And if you ask for something, you better have a damn good reason why you asked for it. You know what I mean? It was more like you go work for it if you want it, you know? And no, I mean, I couldn't agree more. Like just the grit, like, like the grit has been taken out of a lot of, and the world sort of just done that as the world does, you know? Um, yeah, it happened. But, but it's, I'm sorry. It's just sad. I've always tried to embrace that because that's what I thought was cool is like the old school mentality, you know, like work hard, have scars on your hands, have calluses. Don't be a freaking soft, whiny kid that's just going to sit there and not do anything. You know what I mean? It's like if you have dreams and you want to build stuff and go out and do it, you have to do it yourself. You're not going to like learn by just sitting there and going like, oh, cool, you know, it's like, it's, it's, I don't know, and so, like, I've just tried to embrace everything I've seen in my grandparents, my parents, my family, my friends, you know, there's, I'm not saying I haven't learned from good friends, you know, so many friends have taught me so much stuff that my parents didn't, that I didn't know about, you know, and they didn't know about, it's just that, you know, you can't be an expert at everything, but you can try. <laughs> Yeah, and you could be, and look, the, the pupil should always be smarter than the teacher, and like, and I feel like yeah. that's what, that's what I, like, notice in your character, and the fact that you have taken the time to, you know, learn something, but it's one thing to learn something, you have to practice it, right, and, yeah. and you've practiced it day in and day out, and it, I just get blown away when, when I'm in situations with you, where I'm just like, dude, this guy is so much more equipped than I am. And, and I'll even take it a step further to sort of uh, riff on what you're doing, on what you're saying, is comfort will kill you. I always say that the comforts of this world, the Uber Eats, the everything, like those are the things that want to kill you. Like, you. like me being comfortable, all big house, everything, like that is what will kill me in the end because I won't work with my hands and I won't, do these things that will allow me to enjoy nature and just, you know, speak to my heart and allow me to enjoy things. Right. Yeah. Dude, that's so true. Cause like, I have to sit here, like, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm just a young kid too. And I have my whole life ahead of me, hopefully. But, um, it's like you, you, you always dream big. And like, sometimes you wonder like, is dreaming big, like really what's going to make you happy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to be like, I think I learned that from growing up in Mexico too. You see like people who have nothing, nothing, mm. 
and they have their boat and they have their gas that they have once a day to go out and fish and provide for their family. That's their whole life. And that's all they have. <clears throat> and like, I think that if you don't like embrace and learn this stuff and like, I don't know if you, if, and it's not saying you shouldn't dream big, like obviously you should, but I think like you get, yeah, you totally get lost in these giant, uh, I don't know, dreams sometimes of like making money that isn't like the best thing possible for you. I don't know. Maybe yeah, I'll well, the, the two tuna story, right? How good is that? Yeah, totally. <laughs> but <clears throat> I don't know. Well, no, I love it because I had a thought, but I just forgot. Um, I, I, I kind of got lost on something else right there when you asked that question. <laughs> oh, no, that's what I was, that's what I was going to say. So I've been really taking like a notice and I'm, I'm kind of just a fly on the wall and, and yeah. I'm, I'm okay to get called out um, for anything because I, I can be this guy sometimes. Right. But I look at like, look, I look at, you know, I just, I, I look at fishermen and I'm like, fudge, that guy still has the, like, you know, and I say eggy, I, I mean it in a good way, but that guy's still cynical, <laughs> he's still eggy. He's still salty but he still has so much character and he's such a rad dude. And I see that still in fishing, but, and I used to see it all the time in surfing, but like a lot of surfers have lost that. Like they're, yeah. just, they're, I don't know what it is. It's like, and, and I want to, I know it's a gray area I'm talking about, but I'm just going like, dude, why? why? It's a trip. That's a trippy, interesting question. You just pointed out like, Cause I like always wonder like, should I be the eggy old grumpy like guy that I am? Like, I'm like really grumpy sometimes, you know? And I like to say shit that people are like, God, what's wrong with him? You know? And I'm just like, I think it's just that like, it's, I don't know. Maybe it's like when you pour so much into what you love and you don't necessarily get like money out of it, but it's you're giving your heart to it. And it's like, when you like windsurfing or fishing, you just do it because you love it. And it's it's not even and like I don't know it's almost like if you see something that you that doesn't rep represent that and they're just doing it for the money or for like the look then it's like that's what brings out that inner agginess of like a core surfer or like a core fisherman you know what I mean it's like I don't know that's that's when I see it in myself I don't know it's if that's what you're trying to get at but yeah uh, and, and I'll even highlight and agree with that it, it's it's the authenticity in it and yeah. when you're when you are authentic and you're you know you're working from an area from the heart or for the love um then that'll always shine through like th that always shines through you can never deny whether someone is like you agree with them or disagree with them when they're being authentic you're like dude i, I got i respect that you know yeah and i think the world hasn't like maybe infiltrated fishing in a way or corporate hasn't it you know, infiltrated it in a way where it's still there. And I feel like yeah. a lot, the corporate and money and everything's infiltrated it in a way where it zaps some of the authenticity out of it. And we've lost that. And, yeah. and, and I'm just recognizing it. And, and I, and it's another thing that I love about you so much is because somehow you've been able to navigate that, whether you know it or not. Yeah. You're totally right too. Cause like, and there's that weird balance like fishing used to be bigger almost you know what i mean now it's like kind of like gone a little bit not gone you guys like salty crews revived it more than anything and but like it wasn't cool when i was a kid like i, I went to school and said i was a fisherman every 
person was like, you kill things. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, it's for people to eat. But, you know, and then same thing with surfing. It's now it's like they blew it up so hard that it's not even cool anymore. You know, it's me. Like, I love surfing. I love it. I'll go out and it's, I just do it for fun, you know? But, mm -hmm. like, I don't follow no offense, like the WSL or like any of that stuff is because it's like, this isn't like, this isn't what this is about to me anymore. It looks like a news feed, like liberal it is. It's like <clears throat> this, a news article on like surfing daily, you know? And it's like, I feel like I'm watching Fox five channel news when it's like, there's no, what this used to be about like the ocean and people's love for doing it and money and professionalism and stuff. I'm not, dissing anything you're like you guys are like my heroes but it's like it's it's changed and it's like hard to like embrace it for me as a youth like I don't know I and I look up to people like Matt I like like what Matt's doing because he just does it like I have a dream of being like the best at this regardless of contest regardless of people's opinions this is what I love to do you know I like freaking flying through the air and Matt's embraced his love for surfing and taken it to the next level. You know what I mean? And I think that's really cool. And it's like irrelevant to contests and all of that. You know what I mean? And people do that with fishing too, you know? And they like just kind of like Dwayne, he's completely taken his love for fishing and made it his life on like a soul level, in my opinion. Even though it's a business, mm -hmm. it's probably one of the most soul sport fishing businesses in the deal, in the industry. You know, like everyone should go fish with Dwayne. So. Yeah, but dude, that's not for the faint-hearted. Like what Dwayne does day in and day out, you gotta no. have so much grit. You gotta have. Yeah. There's a sacrifice that is unbelievable oh, on what he does. Huge I don't think I couldn't do it. I tell no. him like, I couldn't do this five days a week. Yeah, and like it goes like what my dad did with albacore fishing and like all these guys who leave for like three months on end, you want to talk about sacrifice, you know, it's called not having a family, <laughs> you know, it's like, or like a life at home, you're donating your life to the ocean for four months and blood, sweat and tears of it every day. And that's what Dwayne does. You know, he luckily he gets to come home to his family at night and, you know, lay his freaking head on a pillow, but uh, he still grinds intensely hard compared to what most humans can even imagine you know like he's yeah. those guys are all making it happen i mean they're waking up and looking at a at a blank blue canvas that is so big and then they're taking what they know the data with with what they've experienced and they're they're going out into the jungle and, and they're you know in an adventure and providing that for people it's like that's Dude. Nuts. I mean, not to get religious, but I always like throw it up to God when I do that. You know what I mean? You're kind of like, you're, you're, you got your math you could do, but at the end, it's all luck and just luck and whoever you're praying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, come on, give me a fish. <laughs> oh, no, man. You know me. I'm always throwing it up to God. Yeah. <laughs> just but like... That's what I'm saying because that's what I'm doing out there. I'm like, oh, God, you you never know what you're going to see or what's going to happen. You can do all the math you want, but it's like, it's also about district and being faithful to getting, getting some food for some people, you know, but. And back to your point with the whole surfing thing is like, when you talk about that of like, well, I mean, when you talk about going out, what yeah. you described to me, that's so frontier. That's so like on the edge. That's so, I'll even go use the word like rebellious like that there's but then 
if I were to go surf or I were to go surf a contest or you were to watch that contest, it wouldn't feel frontier. It wouldn't feel rebellious. It wouldn't feel because it's now been in a formula and sort of marginalized, and I don't want to say marginalized, but like sort of put to you on a silver platter that felt more like a Fox News feed than an actual adventure. Yeah, it's just different too, you know. I mean, I you can't tell me I don't get an adrenaline rush from watching you guys surf like pipe and stuff. Like that to me as a kid, like I could just sit there and lose my mind over that for hours. And that wasn't like what I'm talking about. I'm talking about more like the Instagram world that surfing's turned into, you know what I mean? Like pro surfing and like contests still total blood pumper, but it's different, you know what I mean? It's it's like you're saying, it's not frontierish. It's not like wild, adventurous. It's more like, you know, like competition. So it's like you kind of just sit there and embrace it for what it is. It's still awesome. But I just think that like it's changed a lot, even from like when you were like winning a world title till now. You know what I mean? Like now it's like, I mean, it has it not. You're, you've been through it, you know. But I'm just the young kid growing up watching it, you know. But yeah no that that's really good and it i mean i i just started thinking of the you know the thrill seeker trips you guys going to alaska and um canada and just um yeah dude tell me that trip where you guys you know go there and it's i mean that's that's pretty frontier like you guys are just that's, making it happen that's different stuff i mean yeah we definitely just went to do that just to see if we actually are capable of doing stuff like that you know what i mean and we <laughs> definitely got in up to our necks and got some rad adventure out of it. I mean, going to Alaska was an eye opener. I don't think I'll ever go there without a gun again. Well, but, tell, me uh, tell me that story of um, did some, some, some guy just pop out of the woods or something. I think you had mentioned. We kept driving out to this like kind of not remote fishing area, but the guy, one of the guys told us like, yeah, it's better if you drive out to this one zone. So we just keep kept going out there because we found fish there and it was beautiful. So we're like, oh, we can shoot what we need here. But we get out there and there was people's footprints and stuff. People have been there, but it's like, you know, 10 miles out of town. And this guy just pops out of the bushes one day on the road. And he's like, what are you guys doing out here? And we're like going fishing over here. And he's like, you guys got a gun? Or like, no. And he's like, there's some huge grizzly bears around here. Like, you guys really have something. And we're like, yeah, we've kind of seen the footprints. And he's like, he's got a shotgun and he's got his 45. And I'm like, shit. And he's, he was goose hunting. But it was just funny kind of, that was one instance. The second instance was when we went to go hike to this glacier with Rat Boy. We there's this little narrow trail out to this glacier and you know he's like you go first we had a can of bear spray like a bunch of idiots and um i mean like that would do anything after freaking some of the bears we saw but um it, it, he's like yeah we're walking down the trail we all got like a stick or something talking to ourselves but anyways this guy pops out of the bushes on this trail and he's got a backpack on and a rifle and he's covered in blood and he's like you guys got a gun both times he asked you guys got a gun and this is a different person too. And he's this little in, like Native American guy and he's got a backpack on and you see blood all over him. Like, what did you just do? And he's like, I just shot this bear up here. And we're like, what? And he's like, yeah, this thing's been aggressive lately. So I just shot it. And we're just like, uh, we turn around, you know, like, and, uh, 
He's like, no, it's dead. Don't worry about it. Go check it out. But he's like, there's probably other bears around trying to eat the carcass. And we're just like, what are we doing? And um, we ended up falling that guy out of there. Did you follow him out? (laughs) No, that guy had, so he had, he had the bear's meat in his backpack and he was going to eat the thing. And he bailed and he's like, go check it out. So we went and checked it out. And Ratboy was just tripping. Like, dude, we shouldn't even be here. Like, we get down there and there's this dead bear on the beach that he's like cleaned half of it and there's also like this other bear just chilling like over in the bushes waiting to come eat the other bear it was just like full that's when you realize you're like very insignificant in the food chain but my gosh you guys are like little poo-poo platters walking through yeah freaking buffet line james has footage of all this so i'm sure he could dig it up but um wait dude i'm freaking out just listening to that story. <laughs> you can dumb it. It was pretty gnarly. I was like, just kept thinking, like, I'm not going there without like a full shotgun with slugs in it. No way. Like, it's, it's, I, then I saw photos of like bear attacks afterwards. I mean, not that I hadn't before, but I was like, what were we thinking? Like, walking around with a backpack full of salmon. Just <laughs> Bro, you know how many bears I bet looked at you guys and thought and then for whatever passed? Like, dude, that white kid's too skinny. We don't want to eat him. Uh, <laughs> smells too, man. It smells yeah. different, dude. That, that's, gosh. Well, I'm glad you guys got off that adventure <laughs> alive. <laughs> yeah, no, it was awesome. A lot, or Canada was a lot mellower, actually, because we were on the boat the whole time. I, we saw a I think we saw more bears in Canada than we did in Alaska, but they're uh, black bears in Canada, and they're on the beach, so we ne- we didn't really trip out on them. Oh, I got and, um, That's... Canada was fun. That was like that was like a good trip. Just good waves, really good waves, and good salmon fishing. But it was all catch and release stuff. Oh, I got it. And then what about um, the Mex when you guys went down to to Conley's joint, and then. Um... And then I also want to tail that into your house um, and um, spent the most part of, uh, I think it was the end of last year and all the beginning of this year at, at your house in La Paz. Yeah. Or it's in, it's in Todos Santos, but yeah, it's close to La Paz. Oh, okay. um, yeah. We went down to visit Connolly and that's like a whole nother adventure because mainland Mexico is just badass. But um, it's, that was so awesome. He just whipped us in this probably some of the funnest little tubes I've ever seen down in Mexico. And I know there's much more to be had down there, but uh, it was just sick just to see his whole, like talk about a person who's just like ignoring the world. And like, this is what I'm going to do with my life because I love it. You know, like he's just got his family down there and his whole goal is to wake up in the morning and see how big the barrels are. You know, it's like pretty much all time in my opinion you know and then if it's not happening he goes and fishes his bongo all day and just puts some food on the table which is pretty damn soul and um i i mean he just took us to do that and that was like the best trip you could ask for in my opinion that's what i do when i go to my house in Toto santos i just you know either wake up in the morning and go surf fish while it's you know kind of gray light check the waves see how it is and hopefully catch something deal with the fish and then just go surf all day and work on your land when you're when the wind comes up, you know? Yeah. And Jared, Jared was telling me about your place and he's like, dude, I, I want to buy some land. I, I want to move down there. Like it's perfect. <laughs> it's pretty chill, man. It's, it's, um, I, I mean, I've been, a, you know, I'm sure you, you, we've been a lot of places and 
I always have some, I mean, probably because I was born there, but I always have some connection to go back down there and just like spend a lot of time because one, it just makes me feel calm and at home. And like, there's, I mean, it's world-class fishing and surfing. It's not all time surfing. It's just like, there's like a lowers like wave and a couple beach breaks and the fishing's phenomenal. Like you can, I've caught as many species as you can catch anywhere in the world down there. There's schnook, there's freaking Corvino, there's Dorado, there's Marlin, there's tuna. I mean, you go on and on, grouper, snapper, everything, you know? I think I, I saw a cobia down there. No way. But, dude, I don't know. Okay, we caught a triple tail too this year. No. And I saw a cobia. Wow. People don't think there's cobia in Baja, but a guy caught a GT in Baja. I've caught schnook in Baja. There's freaking triple tail in Baja. Why can't there be cobia, you know? Oh, that's pretty rad, man. Yeah. I mean, you I've, – I've never known or heard of a place like that. I mean, the fact that you are, are even going foot patrol and you're catching that stuff off the beach is, like, another just factor that's crazy. Yeah. Guy caught a 40-pound tuna off the beach. They've been catching tuna off the beach this year quite a bit, actually. Wow. And um, guys in Cabo just caught a couple. And that's just gnarly. Like. I, to me, like, anywhere you can catch tuna off the beach or any type of game fish, Dorado, whatever, it's world-class fishing. So that's why I kind of go down there and put my time in. But Yeah, that's that's wild, man. And then so what, you just, like, jump in your truck and drive down there? Or? Yeah, I mean, like, you can't drive right out front of my house, but the fishing is good right out front of my house. I usually go, like, well, the beach from my out from my house to, like, probably 60 miles north of me is all just sand with little pieces of rock out front and so you pretty much just like hit one spot drive a little further hit another spot and look for bait or birds or whatever it's just like going offshore and fishing but you're just driving down this sandbar it's freaking crazy That's and i mean sometimes you see stuff you're like did i just see a 60 pound fish go past me in two feet of water like it's pretty crazy like it like sight fishing you're just like sight fishing oh, from your truck literally and like i mean i literally like have to wear my sunglasses and like otherwise like you know like you are looking for fish on the surface the whole time you know if i see like a wake of anything i usually stop and cast on it you know but that's... if you have own it'd be pretty next level yeah, that's 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 pretty epic, man. Just uh, just to simplify things like that, and um, and also too, I feel like being from California, like you're able to get some solidarity that that is like, yeah, you run into people, yeah, you see people, yeah, you might surf with people, but it is like on a level that's that's um, that's a pretty good balance. I, I feel like. Yeah, that keeps me sane going down there. I don't know. I don't know if I could just, like, be in San Diego 24-7. Like, I'm, like, a migratory species. I don't want to be in one climate my whole life. I think I'd go weird, you know? But I, I can attest to that. I think I think humans in general, whether they know it or not, are, are um, you know, in that, in that category for sure. Yeah. No. I don't know. I just think it's healthy but i'm going back down there again this year that's for sure okay quick question um i heard that you guys might be like we're thinking about like let's just build our own boat or something <laughs> yeah 
Well, it's all over the place, kind of, because Jared just got this other boat. You know that, yeah. I know that kind of changed the game because I was the. I heard you guys were like gonna build your own boat, and then Jared's like, I don't know. I think I might have just found a boat. I'm like, well, what's that gonna do with building? It's partially about Jared because like I'm I've been ready to do it for over a year, and I've been offering it to him, mm. and Jared just keeps kind of like going different directions and well, I'm well, trying- Lu- Lucas wait right there like for me yeah. the guy that freaking can barely install a fire detector in my own house um yeah like building your own boat that just seems like uh, like where how do you start what do you do like what do you what's the process when you say okay I'll, I'll just grab build my own boat well, it's not like I'm gonna go build my own hole from the base up I was talking about you know refurbishing a classical boat and making it into something that we could use locally and kind of long distance to like just fish and just tell stories, you know? And, um, I mean, I was just thinking about getting like, you know, whether it was a rat or a skipjack or one of my friends, boat, my buddies building these holes down in Mexico that were really killer and just kind of building from the hole up. I mean, it's kind of like making a surfboard, but a big one, you know what I mean? And you're just, there's a lot of processes in it to explain, but you know, it's a lot of structural fiberglass work. And then, you know, you got a fuel tanks and wiring and a million other things. Um, but yeah, we were thinking about it for sure. And I'm going to do it. I've already like built my Ponga a little bit, you know, I completely redesigned the whole thing and I've been working on my dad's boat since I was a little kid. That's where I go back to my dad. Like he's pretty much redesigned his entire steel boat. So it's like we've built everything from fittings to bait tanks, you know, it's not, and it's all, you know, got to be really structural and hold up to fricking 800 gallons of water and shit like that. So it's not like you've got, you can't make it weak, you know, I mean, but yeah, I, that's the kind of stuff I like doing. I think it's really fun to like, you know, take something with your hands and create it and like have a whole story behind it, whether it's a surfboard or a fishing rod or a lure and then go out and actually use it and use it until the paint falls off, <laughs> you know, but, um, and, and it, it, the experience is so much better, right? Like how the, the fish that you caught, like it just tastes better. You know, the yeah. fish you caught on the lure, it feels better. You know, the, the, it just, all that's just baked in. It's some sort of like not get high feeling, but it's like this adrenaline rush that you get out of just a, a process and naturally mm. doing something that is just really gratifying and makes you feel better about yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And another thing too, is if like you're offshore and stuff goes sideways, you built that boat. you got a pretty good idea of sort of like uh, reverse engineering it to figure out the problem and then trying to fix it. Exactly. And like, even with my Ponga, like it's just a simple skiff, but it's like, I have three things electronically that could go wrong and I made it that way. So it's like, okay, like I, it's process elimination if these three things aren't wrong then i go to the motor and start checking that out you know what mm-hmm. i mean and you know the motor has its own issues but i know how to take pretty much the whole thing apart so it's like you know i feel a lot more confident about running a 21 foot boat you know 40 miles offshore you know but uh yeah uh, and that's what trips me out is that people like actually buy boats and never even check them they just turn the key on and drive out there that to me is freaking insanity like I, I could not agree more i could yeah. not agree more it's the same insanity of the guy that buys the surfboard right or a gun and rocks up at hawaii and it's like bombing 
and just he's just gonna paddle out, right? And yeah, I'm like, gonna send oh, it. You're like, what? Oh, no, don't, please don't do that. Yeah, and then you got somewhere in between that where it's like the guy, you know, it's like it's one thing to like buy something that's nice and go and use it. It's another thing to like buy something that's like someone's old boat and then still think they're gonna go use. That's when you have problems, you know. But uh, yeah, it's, it's the ocean is very unforgiving, whether it's surfing or fishing. So you better uh, dot your I's and cross your T's before you do anything. You know, it's like there's some inherent things that are baked in, whether you, whether you like it or not. And and, and, and and there's no no shortcut. You might be able to get away with it for a for a hot minute, but it it will get the last say. Absolutely. Yeah, I always that's like every time I go fishing in my boat even if it's in the bay I'm just like respectful of the ocean like I don't want anything to go wrong nothing go wrong it's all good like <laughs> you know <laughs> it's different because you know so much so you're just accountable to a lot more too so yeah um but hey let's um I want to sign us off here in a little bit but I want to know Lucas like bucket list future trips um Thing, or just things that you just will sit there and just daydream or dream about. Um, and then maybe some people along the way that you, that you really look up to. I think, um, I think that would, uh, I would love to know that. Okay. Um, bucket list. I don't know. We've crossed a few of them off. That's for sure. I don't know. I, I still think like, like, I don't mean to like blow it up anymore, but I think like this, like badass boat trips like whether it's down Baja or like up the coast even though I've done them I still think there's so much more to like get into the groove of the coastline and just check different stuff out and you know we got so much coastline north and south of freaking San Diego and beyond it's like you could just everywhere you could you know but I just think if we're gonna be you know with all coronavirus involved it's like you're not going too far right now for the foreseeable near future but like I don't know I just like doing boat trips and I think that's like where the whole like boat building thing keeps coming from is that like I want to build something that I can go do badass little trips on you know what I mean and like to me like even like just going out in a day fishing those are like little dreams like whether it's catching a big bluefin like I just caught a big bluefin last week but I'm still dreaming about going and catching more you know what I mean maybe it's just like simple pleasures of like not dreaming too big like you said but these dreams are you know obtainable right here you know what I mean so it's like I don't know that. And then, uh, I don't know. I definitely want to go travel to get more barreled. I haven't got, I want to go surf some better waves. <laughs> I know you do too. It's <laughs> uh, rad, but I want to go get some warm water waves again. It's been a minute. But you're but, right uh, about that. The find refuge in the sea with Mag Bay. Like, I think we were like 10 days or you guys were two weeks and like, dude, we, we missed out. We didn't explore anything. Yeah, like we, we could have spent a month on that, um, and we and we probably still would have been thinking about stuff that we missed, you know. Yeah, and I, I since I went back to Mag Bay and actually like went through the whole mangroves and like checked out like the whole bay with my skiff, uh -huh. like, dude, there is some. You remember that beach break you were talking about? Or we were I just went, we thought went, no way. Yeah, dude, it's it's the real deal. Um, I'm tripping out about that point. Remember that point where like, dude, there's something on that point. I don't know. Yeah, there's a couple spots that are like extra sacred down there. 
Yeah. And, uh, we don't need to get into it, but yeah, I, I mean, my mind is still like, wonder what was there. Like, wonder yeah. what was there. Apparently, there's another wave that's like on the island, not where we were and not to the south, but in the middle, that's like mm. a wedge on a reef. Like, and it's like, but it's like, it's like, it wedges up these rocks and then like teepees. And um, it's got to be like a, like a southwest. And apparently, it's just phenomenal. Like, crazy, crazy, crazy wave. Uh, yeah, that sounds pretty dreamy. Yeah. And I was like, well, we need to go check that out next time. Um, uh, Jared's uh, boat, first, first, first stop. <laughs> exactly. That's why. And it's like, so I'm really stoked Jared got that thing because I'm like, dude, it's, it, it's that more badass than what we took down there. That's for sure. No. Um, yeah. It's yeah. pretty sick. It's a lot, a lot nicer. But uh, people I looked up to, frick, man, that's a long list, man. Um, I don't not look up to people. I think that's one thing. Like, you got to take everyone for who everyone is. And whether it's some person who drives you crazy in your life that seems to always be there or, like, you know, professionals like yourself or Dwayne or my father or my mother, you know, just people like that, you know, or whoever else. Jared running this company, you know, he's just his stoke on, like, running this company and like involving so many people in it has been really really cool and like first I can't believe how great of a job he does at it because so many people are like up Jared's ear about something and he listens to everyone and he treats them all with respect and he helps them and it blows my mind because it's like it must be a really hard job because I get stressed out with the little things I have to do which is nothing and he's running a con you know, a company and so are you. And like, you guys are just, nah, I'm, I'm not doing a thing, dude. I mean, and that's a great, uh, that's a great point, Lucas. Cause every time I call Jared, I'm like, I'll ask him about things about the business. And then like, like within 2.2 seconds, I'm, I'm spilling off. I'm like, dude, how are you doing? Like, how are you holding up? Like, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how you do what you do. I, 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 I crash and burn just thinking about all the things that you do during the day. Like, are you okay? Like, how can I help you? I, I totally yeah. agree. <laughs> and it's, I, you know, like people, I don't, I always feel bad when I'm calling. Like, dude, I don't want to freaking stress you out with some freaking small, small guy nonsense right now, you know? But um, usually it isn't. We're just trying to do something rad. So it's good, you know? But uh, yeah, I, people like that really inspire me how they manage all their stuff and have three kids and freaking mm -hmm. make your wife happy. Pretty respectful, you yeah. know, pretty, pretty something you should take note on and there's so many other people you know Dwayne back to his like daily grind you know people always hate on sport fishing like the salty commercial fishermen hate on sport fishing guys and it blows my mind because I'm like I kind of laugh at commercial fishermen sometimes because it's like all they got to do is please them that they don't even have to please their crew they just have to catch enough fish to make themselves happy and sometimes they're still not happy so then you talk about these sport fishing guys who have to take out three people, three to 30 people they don't know and make mm -hmm. them all happy and catch them all fish and make sure no one's pissing and moaning at the end of the day. You're talking about a job that is highly under-respected. And anyone who talks shit on that job probably doesn't work that hard, honestly. You know what I mean? Or doesn't like, know anything about it. That's for sure. Doesn't know anything about it. You know, mm -hmm. that's very true. Like, they, or, but it's like, it's, when you compare commercial fishing and sport fishing, you'd think they should know a little bit about each other, but mm, they don't true. like, they don't, they, they kind of like 
split and they're like, no, commercial fishing's tough and sport fishing, it's not tough. It's for the soft guys. No, it's not for the soft guys. They have to produce three times the amount of fish the commercial guys do sometimes. It's crazy. Like, but, but that's cool because I love yeah. that because that's what surfing used to have. Like the tour guys used to freaking bag on the air guys and the free surfers. And you're like, what? You got your freaking like, and now that it's gone, like I miss that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's still good. Like, and they should bag on each other, but it's like, they're also, you know, it's like, it's good rivalry and like inspiration. You got to freaking pour gas on the fire sometimes, you know, but yeah. it's nah. just, uh, it's kind of funny like seeing it all but um i got respect for as many people for everything if i can you know and if it's not respectful i don't respect it but um you know yeah no you do you have such a rad balance it's this one you know i, I, I try enjoy hanging out with you so much man but um but lucas dude it took us like a week to to, to nail to nail this down yeah i know but we got it done, dude. And, uh, man, I really, really, really enjoyed that. And uh, you have so much life and so much stuff to give to um, the next generation and even myself. Um, and it's just, dude, it's so, so, so rad. And um, But, um, hey, Lucas, I love you, bud. Thanks so much for, for, for being here. And um, a trip will, will await us here sooner or later. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Your board's ready. It needs to go get barreled. So. I know, dude. dude. That is one thing I want to talk about. It. So, me and you have this weird uh, – it's not weird, but whenever we go on a trip, I end up riding your boards, you know, probably on average two, and you end up riding my boards. And it's crazy because I started thinking about that, and I started thinking, like, every time I ride Lucas's board, like, okay – I see how you ride the longboard and then I'm like, okay, Lucas, I want to ride your longboard. And like, I don't even like come close to even like scratching of where you're getting to it. And I really enjoy it. And then I'll ride like the single fan and I'll be like, oh man, he was like doing these gnarly like turns and I can't even like get it on a rail. And, and then I'm like, this is so awesome. Thank you. And then you ride my boards and I'm like, and you ride it so good. I'm like, you probably should just keep that thing. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's my that experience. Awesome. Um, That's my experience with you, though. We always do it every time we take a trip, too. It's true, yeah. Like, and um, I don't know what's up with that. It's a trip. But I'm stoked I made you one, so now you can just freaking ride that one. <laughs> I'm yeah. But, um, you know what? Uh, since you shaped it, since you shaped it, I'm not going to let you surf it. I'm going to oh, tell God. you, like, how sick the thing is. Or how bad it rides, and I'll be like, nah, dude, this one's, you shaped it, I'm not gonna let you ride this one. <laughs> That's fine. I made one, you and Jared's are pretty damn similar, so I'll just steal his. Oh, okay. But, but uh, yeah, no, that's, that's funny, I don't know. I tripped out, too, like, I gave you that single fin, and I, like, never really gotten barreled on that board, and you took it out and got, like, pretty freaking drained on the thing for, like, that board, and I was like, what? I've never even gotten a good tube on that thing. And he just got like a freaking six, like without doing anything, you know? And it's like, that was pretty crazy. I don't know. So it's, hopefully these things work for you. <laughs> you know, what's funny. Like, do you remember that photo that you had on that single fin where you're like just fully slashing like the, the fin yeah. out? That's the only picture I have ingrained in my head with that board. 
And I was, and I couldn't even, like, I couldn't even wrap my head around of how to like, even if I were to just completely ditch it, I didn't even know how to get to that point. I'm like, it was, it was, it seemed so far away from, for me. And I was just like, how do you do that? Dude, I don't know. Cause like, I look at the same thing, like the way you guys do a backside turn, like I can't come up and wrap it in the lip like you guys do at all. Even if I freaking dreamed it, I couldn't, but, uh, it's, I don't know, man. It's so weird. Everyone's different, you know, but it's just like, I think that comes from longboarding where it's like, you have to understand how to like walk back and turn the board. And I'm not saying I walk back on that single fin, but it's like, you have to adjust your weight on a bigger board to get it to like roll over and turn. And that's like the only way I've ever really figured out how to like really get those things to move around is like either trimming forward or like getting back and turning it. Whereas a shortboard, you're pretty much planted. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like most of the time you might in the barrel, you might scoot forward a little bit or when you turn, maybe not, maybe you, turn, maybe you move a lot, but, and that's why I can't do backside turns. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I don't know. It's just a trip. Bigger boards are always been pretty fun to me because they just, I think it's cool to ride a bigger board and then go to a shortboard and feel like you're just riding this tiny little maneuverable thing, you know, like mm. that's always been a trip to me. But, uh, I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point because I, 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 I inherently have enough sense about the barrel that I can figure it out. But like, I've actually never got on like a seven two single fin shaped like that. And so even when I would, I feel like even when I was like looking at you and trying to figure out where you were standing on the board, even when I got in that space, I've just never had that feeling. So yeah. the mind body connection, it didn't register and I didn't know how to get it to register. And, um, and it was, so that's why it was so hard for me to get, get there. I think that's a, the I think turn. That's a really but, good point. But to get tubed, you just freaking drew a line and got drained. Yeah, I was like, I knew enough that I was like, I'll <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's very true. Cause like, if I was to go ride, I don't know, you know, some n new single fin, I might, I might just kind of like be, feel weird in the first couple of waves, but then I think it's all about just moving your feet around, man. That's what it comes up to. It's like, you look at all those guys, how they rode those boards back in the day, they were not in one spot. Very, they were all shuffling around and jiving on the board and doing different stuff. It was totally unique, you know, and shortboarding is a lot different because I just feel like you look at some of these guys, it looks like they're just freaking glued to their board, you know, but no, that's true because not only were they everywhere on the board, but they were everywhere on the face. So that they, yeah. they, they explored every, you know, part of that face when the board was at a certain angle All and, the way. And, and, and where they were on the board at that time. So they know that like, it's different yeah. for the kids now because they're arguably to their boards, right? They're, they're experiencing so much stuff above the lip at a different angle, at a different rotation with a different grab that it's it's just apples and oranges really yeah totally and guys are still doing you know guys are still acting riding old school boards and guys are doing futuristic stuff so i don't know that's what's cool about surfing is it can evolve in either direction and you could just you could take old stuff and make it new or take new stuff and put an old school twist on it you know it's like that's what i like about it and same thing with fishing you could do whatever you want really you know um but no you know, that's an awesome point because look, if the Holy grail is to go every stand everywhere on your board at a different angle along the face 
and then do and then also go above the lip with every variation and rail grab like that is the holy grail and then also with fishing it's like what they do in the atlantic to what they do in the pacific and to what they did old school to new school and you sort of blend all those things together that i mean those are that's kind of that's the sensei right yeah i mean it's just yeah having fun is the underlining deal <laughs> that's how you get there right yeah. that, that that's how you get to that point you don't get to that point by trying to get to there <laughs> oh that's awesome well lucas man let's sign us off dude thank you so much man i appreciate your time have an awesome day and um thank you for the kind words that was fun no that was dude i enjoyed that we'll, we'll do it again look forward to seeing you soon let's surf soon have a good one all right brother cheers man Thank you for listening to Salty Stories, The Ship's Log, presented by Salty Crew and hosted by The Sage, CJ Hopkins. To see the trips that were mentioned, check out Thrill Seekers and Risk Takers the Movie on YouTube or salty-crew.com. And keep an eye out for more Salty Stories episodes coming soon. Or keep listening to the song Play Day by the band Puerto, good friends of Salty Crew that put on a rad live show.
Cause we ain't got no time for speed.